welcome to Mustang Open Mic. The city of Mustang is highlighted, explored, and celebrated. A podcast discovering the vision of the city through inspiring conversation with Mustang leaders. And now your host, James Wall. Welcome, Mustang, and thank you for joining us at Mustang Open Mic, a podcast for Mustang about Mustang. Today, we are discussing the faith community here in Mustang with longtime pastor Jim Harris from the Clear Springs Church. Jim, it's a pleasure to have you with us. James, thanks for having me. Jim, I'm going to jump right into our questions and our subject today because I know when you have two preachers (laughs) who are together, we might have a tendency to be long-winded. Absolutely. And I don't want this podcast to be used as a sleep aid for for anybody else. Good call. Good call. (laughs) So here's a, here's a, the first question I have for you. You probably already know that our community is blessed with 27 different churches, and I know that's growing. Uh, as a longtime pastor in this community, what has led to faith being such an integral part of the Mustang community? You know, as you ask that, I don't know that I have a great answer for that. My guess would be that we're similar to many uh, rural or suburban towns in Oklahoma we're in the heart of the Bible Belt, mm-hmm. and that's certainly been a part of our culture from the beginning. Uh, it appears that many of our Mustang residents even choose to live here because they know this is a part of our community, and that faith and our values generally they share, and uh, so I think that's part of it. Um, however, I think for some, maybe that alliance or their alliance to their faith could be considered shallow and just cultural. It's Mm. just simply a way that we do life in these parts. Um, But for many of us, probably more than the rest of the United States or maybe even other parts of Oklahoma, our faith is deeply personal. It does impact the way we think, the way we do life. It has shaped our community. So our faith is very much an integral part of Mustang. I think a good example I can share with you historically, maybe something you've heard of or not, but um, I thought back of um, December of 2004 was a trying time for our faith community. It was, uh, there was a traditional Christmas program that Lake Homa Elementary held every year. And that particular year, they were required to remove the closing scene of Mary, Joseph, and baby Jesus, which they always closed with. Wow. And the removal was based on the opinion of Mustang Public Schools' lawyer at the time. And uh, and he was, of course, citing the potential of violation of church-state restrictions, fearing lawsuits, things of that nature. There was a huge backlash in our community. Mm. Uh, there were protests that were organized, not as violent as what we see today across America. Good. But uh, many spoke out loudly against that decree, against that decision. Um, in fact, there was a school bond vote that occurred just afterwards, and it failed. Mm. And the clearest connection was that they had kind of ticked off the faith community of Mustang, which is a significant portion of who we are. For the record, I voted for the bond, even though I didn't like the way things went with that. Uh, But the the consensus there was that something needed to change. Um, Carl Springer was our superintendent at the time, great man, wise man, in that he formed a religious liberty task force that came together, made up of citizens of our community, school officials and others, 
and we addressed this issue. We learned um, how we could legally demonstrate and reflect our personal faith within the public school setting. Um, the result was a very clear statement that was then distributed even among employees of the school where they knew what rights they had with their faith and how it could be um, appropriately demonstrated or even discussed, you know, best way. And the the result of that was very favorable for those that were aware of the process. However, unfortunately, the, the original event made national headlines. Oh, you know, wow. the, the protest, the... Um, I, I happened to be president of the Ministry Alliance at the time. You know, Google search my name, and I'm seeing like news in San Diego, talk, you know, quoting oh. me, which is crazy. But when we worked through the problem and had a, some consensus moving forward and some cooperation, you know, it's crickets. <laughs> Nobody cares about that. It's no not as salacious, right? right? So, so uh, all that being said, I think I think that's a good indication of how. Faith has had a significant impact on our community. Uh, that is a powerful story, and I didn't yeah. know that history. So, yeah. thank you for sharing that yeah. with yeah. me, and, and especially with our listeners who may have come after two thousand four. Right. Sure, for sure. 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 I mean, because the community has really grown since you've been here. Oh, absolutely. And absolutely. and as someone uh, who has been here a long time, you really your church is relatively young. Um, compared is. to many of the other congregations sure. in the area. So give our listeners a brief history okay. of Clear Springs Church and, sure. and tell us about your congregation's service to the Mustang community. All right. I'll, I'll try to be brief. It's, okay. it's kind of hard when you're talking about yourself. Oh, I know. Folk, I know. You know? Um, so, so Clear Springs Church is a relatively young church compared to some of the mainstays in our community. Um, we're a Free Will Baptist congregation. And uh, there was a Free Will Baptist Church that existed in Mustang throughout the 70s and 80s. And about the early 90s, it closed its doors for a variety of reasons. Uh, it existed in a small metal building over on Morgan Road, south of 152. And uh, when they closed their doors, they deeded the property to our district. Over time, our district decided they wanted to try to reestablish a church in Mustang. They hired a uh, the first church planner they hired happened to be my pastor when I was a kid growing up. Oh, uh, I knew him in Enid, Oklahoma. A great man of God named Buddy Drake, and in fact, it was during his pastorate that I answered the call to preach at the age of ten. Uh, oh, wow. it was during a time when for the pulpit, and I was short then, as, a, <laughs> as opposed to my five six and a half now. Uh, and so to preach, I would they put steps in the pulpit that I'd walk up and you know right. this kind of thing. But anyway, uh, while he was starting the work here, I was finishing up my seminary degree in Fort Worth, Texas. And about the time that I finished and was kind of deciding, trying to see God's direction where to go minister from there, um, he was being called to a different ministry position with our local college. And so as I finished my degree in May of 95, um, I ultimately interviewed with the board, our district board, in, in August. And first Sunday of, April, of uh, October, I was on site in Mustang. Uh, I'd never been here before in my life. I mm. went to school in Moore for college, born in Oklahoma City, lived in Edmond and then Enid, never been to Mustang, knew nothing really about it. But, of course, me and my family have grown to love the community. 
Well, one of our initial decisions was as a church, uh, we were going to have to do something because we were outgrowing our little our little spot, and we chose to relocate to another part of town. One, we were hard to find. Two, um, we, what we had just wasn't big enough for right. us. And then three, there had been something of a reputation among the church that had closed, didn't always get along, that kind of thing. And, and so we felt like a fresh start was good. So over time, we found the property we're at on Clear Springs Road, um, built a building there by ourselves, began thinking about how to rename ourselves because we were Morgan Road Free Old Baptist Church mm. prior. And uh, at the time, Highway 92 uh, was known by so many different names. Right. And I, I knew we didn't want to be Cemetery Church. <laughs> Sound a little dead. Uh, First Church of Garth Brooks, right. uh, same road. That that didn't go over real well. So we settled on Clear Springs Church, and and uh, that's how we kind of got to that spot. Um, who we are now as a church community or a faith community is is that we've, we've grown to recognize among our traits, just just serving is a big deal for us. Um, now, I will say this, as we planted, and you mentioned the 27, I think maybe 21 was the number back then, okay. and there's been some churches close and, and add, and, and, and it was a little bit difficult just to convince some in our community that they needed another church. Um, I remember a very prominent businessman that, in fact, you would know today if I mentioned his name, great guy. And I introduced myself and uh, told him that I was here to plant a church. And without meaning to be impolite, he uh, he chuckled and said, yes, that's what Mustang needs is another church. <laughs> well, this past fall, I actually had a little conversation with him where I asked, I said, do you remember 20 years ago when you told me this? And and he kind of laughed almost in embarrassment and said, well, we're glad you're here now. And, you know, So that was that. But but in doing that, why did we plant? Why are we here? Why is it appropriate even for there maybe to be new churches springing up among us? You know, uh, the the numbers that I see are about 65% of Oklahomans do not attend church. That's right. And of that, the surveying that we've done have found clearly at least half of our community. That's That seems pretty pretty obvious. So it appears that there is room for all of us to reach some more folks and to, to influence more lives. So I think that's, that is something that gives us a reason for existence. What makes us unique at Clear Springs? We recognize we're on the same team of all of these other faith communities. We're trying to reach people for Christ. Um, most of us emphasize loving God, loving others. Mm-hmm. You know, we, we, we speak in those terms. We've recently developed a mission statement that seems to define our niche, which is building a lasting faith in Christ by serving. And service just seems to be kind of a part of who we are. Um, Community and serving our community is kind of where we found our fit. Um, A couple of examples of that, um, we have one school in town uh, that happens to be the closest to us. It's Mustang Education Center, MEC. Yes. Their unique nature is, uh, as structured over the years, they've had... um, the gate program, or I guess gifted and talented students, they have the pre-K, and then they've had the alternative ed. Um, none of those 
education methods and outlets really lend themselves well for a PTA. It's because mm-hmm. it's students that are temporary coming in and out. So we we partnered with them kind of to be their PTA. We just we serve for them. We do their teacher appreciation week every year. Right. We provide meals for teachers with different things. We've put in uh, mulch around their playground equipment or whatever we can do to serve yeah. them, that kind of thing. Two events that we rotate through each year, uh, one we call the Big Give. And the Big Give began uh, a few years back when we were first having, just before school, we did what many do where we'd have a a back-to-school bash where we're just going to have a big celebration for the kids and tell them to invite neighbor kids, have some fun with it. But, you know, over time, it took just a couple of years, we decided, you know, there's lots of outlets for our kids to have a way to be entertained. Right. What what would maybe provide a little lasting value? And so when we changed gears, it was about six years ago, six, seven years ago, we went to this event called the Big Give. And with it, um, we turn our building into an aid station. We provide backpacks with basic school supplies, kids from pre-K through high school. We provide school clothing. Um, we give away haircuts. Police department comes and does the identikid services, things of that nature. We mix in snow cones and pizza mm. and bounce houses just for fun. Right. But but all of this is free, and and we've used, uh, we've had the help of our local schools through the counselors and others that have pointed people that could use the service to us. Had decent numbers with that this past year blew the doors off. In fact, we ran out of backpacks and literally had to, we were committed that every kid that needed one got one. So we're rushing in packs, refilling Mm -hmm. in a week later, finishing up the need. But but it's a way for us to give back to families in our community that could use a helping hand with that. The other event, we call it Be the Church. And, And Be the Church is one day a year we take that Instead of gathering for our normal teachings, normal worship time, we gather up for prayer, and then we disperse throughout the community doing some community service projects. Right. We, uh, we get names from the senior center where seniors can volunteer if they need trees trimmed or a couple of ladies I know where we do uh, dusting and window washing and vacuuming for them. Um, we have done some light remodel of homes. We've helped some We've met through the Pregnancy Center um, and uh, just various sources. And, but our goal from this has been to to take some time to to put into action the service we feel we're called to. Uh, now, the, the temptation on our part is to think if we do a couple of events a year, <laughs> we've, we've checked that yeah, box. Yeah, you checked that box. And, right. and so we're having to uh, to make sure to just show this. This is kind of a picture of what we should be doing throughout the year with that. But just trying to live out that mission, building lasting faith in Christ by serving. Yeah, that, that's wonderful. And I love the idea that you're putting your emphasis on the children as well as the older people. Here in our community, mm-hmm. so I want to skip down to another one of our questions. Okay. I, I think everyone would say that our young people are one of our city's greatest assets. Sure. And as you're aware, our society uh, as a whole, not here in Mustang probably, but as a, as a society, as a culture in America, really, mm-hmm. I think our society tends to think Christians are irrelevant and sometimes are extreme. Uh, 
Two weeks ago, one of our seniors was asked to give a talk before leaders of his community uh, on the subject of bringing God back to our schools. And although most were very appreciative of his assigned topic, uh, one of the leaders actually rolled his eyes wow. and began to look at his phone while some of the audience checked out altogether during sure, his talk. Sure. So as a and, I, and I know one of your roles is not just as a pastor for Clear Springs Church, but you're also a part-time professor sure. for Randall Randall University. University. Over and more. Over and more. And so as a professor who gets to come in contact with young people all the time, how can you how can we give our young people that tenacity, that resilience and grit, as well as the grace? Uh, to endure the profound differences in our society when it comes to their faith. Okay, that's that's a good question. I I think it begins by recognizing some of the unique traits of this rising generation, um, and helping them connect their personal faith in a way that they can relate. Uh, to show them why a relationship with Christ matters, for one that it matters, of course, for eternity, but also for this life now. And uh, and then to try to help them address some of their personal issues and concerns rather than to try to convince them to just live and do life like maybe my generation or those before mm-hmm. me and, and emphasize our preferences. Um, in the process, I think we need to encourage them to know why they believe what they believe rather than simply coercing them to believe. Right. I don't know about yourself, but I grew up during a time when, I mean, you would just simply hear it said, you don't question God, <laughs> right? right? And, True. I, and I get the fact that we know that there, there are times in my faith I have to say, God knows and I don't. That's I true. do get that. Absolutely. But I think it discouraged questions. And, and as a result, um, I think when you don't ask the questions, you sometimes don't get past your doubts. And so so learn why you believe what you believe. And... Uh, and recognize that um, maybe one of the reasons they can be opposed today is what they're observing, I would call, kind of a casual Christianity, uh, one where that they see very little difference between those that claim to follow Christ and the rest of the world. And if, and if, if a faith is not going to impact us, then and if it's not going to show itself to be any different, then why is it necessary? Uh, there is no part of them that says, I'm going to do this out of loyalty. I, I will follow this if I see value, That's but, right. but not just to check that box. And, and American Christianity, in some ways, has morphed into something that is self-centered, co- you know, comfort-seeking, um, twisted to fit our personal preferences. So, so we got to make sure there's a difference that's noted between those of us that claim to follow Christ and those that don't. And, uh, and if, if they don't see that difference, they're not going to want it. They seem to desire authenticity mm-hmm. and genuineness. So even hypocrisy, I think, uh-huh. really is a turnoff for them. And, and, and I think it helps to help point them back to the fact that hypocrisy was a turnoff to Jesus himself. And he, he fought against that. He spoke clearly of it direction, you know, in direct opposition to it. Now, a follower of Christ... You know, as a follower of Christ, we recognize that grace, by its own nature, is authentic. Um, 
It says that we've all screwed up, that we've all sinned, that we need help, that yep. we can't save ourselves. And, and so we can be honest in that, um, that we can't earn our standing with God. And best I can tell, that's what separates Christianity from every other faith system, that uh, that others seem to make you the best you you can be and earn your standing, where Christianity says, quit trying that. Own up for the fact that you lack it and you need Jesus, you know, and and so we we go there, and and I find that that message can resound in the hearts of our young people when they're genuinely seeking something, you know, these life answers. Um, I think in addition to helping them recognizing the value of knowing what they believe and why, um, we got to help them work through how to communicate that. Right. Um, First Peter told us to always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have, but to do it with gentleness and respect. Right. So, so we know what we believe, we know why we believe it, and then you'll notice there's some instruction there on how to communicate the gospel, gentleness and respect. Um, Ephesians 4 tells us to speak the truth in love. Right. Well... I always point out that by nature, you, and you may be on the other side of this for me. I don't, you know, just getting to know you, but but our nature is to tend towards truth or tend towards love. That's right. Um, my wife will tell you the truth, whether you want to hear it or not. <laughs> I want you to love me, right? So I'll keep my mouth shut if that's what it takes, you know. And and so, but together we have to we have to work those things together. We need both. And Colossians 4 adds that we need to be wise in the way we act towards outsiders, making the most of every opportunity, and let our conversation be always full of grace, seasoned with salt, so that we'll know how to answer everyone. So if they understand grace, know why and what they believe, if they learn to communicate the good news effectively— I believe they'll develop tenacity, resilience, and grit. And among the strengths of this upcoming generation is that they are willing to stand for a cause they oh, believe in. Oh, absolutely they are. We see that. And, and they're looking for ways to take action to demonstrate it. So can you imagine the impact of this group anchoring their faith in God's Word, encouraging them to be sold out to the leading of the Holy Spirit? Uh, I see a mighty movement that's possible from that. Right. You know, one of the things that I have noticed, and and I've said this before to classes or in Bible classes, that we have a tendency to say, I need one more lesson on evangelism. I need one more lesson on service before I actually go do that. Right. And some right. of us have been doing, listening to those lessons for 30 years, oh, yeah. and we still aren't doing And I think yeah. our young people have seen that yes. in us in some respects, Agreed. that we haven't really stepped out in faith and actually done what we've been taught and done what we've actually said we're supposed to be doing. Yeah. And that's why I see that our young people really have this desire, like you were saying, yeah. for a class. Absolutely. I, I, I want to do this. I need to do this. And I'm going to do this even if the church isn't going to be a part sure. of it. And, and that hurts in many ways because I want the church to be that. Yes. Sometimes well. the, the institution can be a little slow to join in on 
what God's doing among the individual. That's exactly and, right. And boy, we need some humility hmm. as leaders to recognize, you know what, there's there's room for improvement here. Yep. This is something maybe we've missed it on. And, uh, and uh, if we can have that humility, that honesty, um, I, I'm... I don't care to be known as the guy that came up with the idea. Right. If, if God's at work and we have the privilege of being a part of that, man, yeah. let's let's do it. Let's, let's be a do part it. of that. Absolutely. So, yeah. You brought up that you know the reason we have twenty seven churches or twenty one when you were here uh-huh. and that we've uh-huh. only gained so many since you started. Sure. Was because some of our churches have closed. Sure. And then we've gotten other churches that have come into the community. Mm-hmm. It's estimated that. Uh, 3,500 individuals silently walk away from church every day. And in 2015, uh, over 10,000 churches actually closed their doors here in America. Also, according to Barna Research, I did some research on this, but 80% of the 14 to 33-year-olds reported that church was not important to them. So for those of us serving in in churches, this seems to be like a crisis to us. I mean... When we're looking at these numbers and we're going, wow, that's scary. So when you hear these statistics like this, right, and you compare the faith community of Mustang with those statistics, right, what gives you hope? Good, good question. You know, as I think of that, I think first let's deal with the statistics and recognize that they are alarming. Um, you mentioned Barner Barner Research, great group, mm-hmm. and last week they came out with some new findings, and and I think it's important for us to see it. I have a friend who makes the point. He, his statement is, "Facts are our friends," you know, True. and so we need to recognize them and deal with it. But what do we do with them? You know, we can tend to ignore them, say it may be that way other places, but not here, or not recognize that the, this issue is in front of us. We say it's someone else's problem, and that would be wrong. Um, it is happening more and more, even in Mustang America, of all places. So we need to acknowledge the problem. Um, so while I'll always have hope in the life change that Christ can bring. Absolutely. And in the role that the local church can have in the process, I still think it's appropriate to have a level of concern for our community. And I've learned my intuitive response to trouble is to stick my head in the sand. You know, mm. I'm that guy that thinks if I do that, it'll all go it'll away. Go away. And, and ultimately, it's just worse, and right. so then I have to deal with it. So, so, so let's learn that that causes more harm than good. Acknowledge the problem. That's the first step in addressing it. Well, how do we do that? Some would argue that we just need to keep telling it like it is, like we've done for 50 or 100 years. And they can either wise up and accept the truth or not. And that choice is on them as far as they're concerned. I agree that each person in these statistics is responsible for his or her own decision in following Christ. But I also believe we can do a better job of recognizing the hangups um, that may be causing them to leave or, or even worse, maybe to ignore us. Right. So where do we find hope? Uh, I believe we can address their issues in a way that that shows compassion for them, that encourages them to take a second look, allow the Holy Spirit to work through us. And, and I do believe that the Holy Spirit is doing that among believers and among churches in Mustang. 
um, that that countless believers in our community are encouraging others towards faith. God's word's still true. Um, the Holy Spirit still speaks. Absolutely, uh, God can still use willing Christ followers to impact lives of unbelievers, to str- help those that are struggling with doubt. So the question becomes for me, are we willing to do whatever it takes to allow God the opportunity to use us to impact eternity? One of the things that strikes me is, and you'll see this with Barna Research, uh, Ed Stetzer with Lifeway would, sure. would come into the mix, but uh, you'll see people, we'll see Christianity in America, or as we view it, divided into three groups. You've got committed Christ followers. We've got a group we might call cultural Christians, that they wear the, the label, wear the name. but they don't really know what that means. And then you've got those that frankly, would just admit to not having faith in Christ. And it's that middle group in America that is shrinking pretty drastically, cultural Christianity. And the result of that is probably the numbers that you're seeing. However, for me, I think it's just simply creating a more stark contrast between committed Christ followers and those that more readily admit that they don't share our faith. And uh, and these nominal cultural Christians are are becoming more comfortable admitting their lack of faith. So while that may cause some concern at first glance, I personally think it's a step in the right direction. Right. In that it's easier to leave a per, lead a person to genuine faith if they first understand they don't have it, and uh, their denial of their true spiritual state is really an obstacle. So. I'm an optimist, but I see this to be a good time in American history where we have an opportunity that's never been more clear. Yeah, that's true. You know, and really where we are as ministers, we are giving people the choice. Sure. Are you going to choose Jesus? Yeah. Are you going to have, are you going to choose the darkness? Absolutely. I mean, there's really two, only two choices that we have a choice to make. Right. And uh, I, I know we're kind of running out of time, and I've sure. got the lightning round that we always okay. do, so okay. I'm, I'm going to do that. But okay. I wanted, you know, we grew up learning the song, "The Wise Man Built His House Upon the Rock." Yes. And the foolish man, of course, what on happens sand, when yeah. he builds it on the sand? It all falls down. And I think about those words of Jesus when he says there in verse 24, "Everyone that hears these words of mine and does them." Yes. And does them as like the wise in man. Fact, if, in fact, you, you're great, great example because even the foolish man building his house on the sand, absolutely, he heard the words. Yes. So, so we sometimes think hearing the words the key, but it's not. It's, not. it's the action. That's right. That follows. And I really appreciate you taking the yeah. time to really yeah. talk to us about that and yeah. how how important that is for our faith community and for us individually as well. Okay, lightning round. Lightning okay. Round. Okay, so here you go. So These I'm, are the, questions I'm, I'm you... the plotting thinker, yes. so okay, all right. could be bad. Well, well <laughs> you, you should be able to get this first one real easy. Okay. What is your favorite Bible passage? Favorite Bible passage? Uh, my life verse has kind of been Philippians 1.6, where it deals with the fact that what God is, the work God's created in us, mm-hmm. He will see it through to completion. I like that. I love that verse, too. So what moment in your life, or is there a moment in your life, that made you question your chosen field as oh, a pastor. Goodness. Oh goodness, a moment in life that caused me to question my chosen field. 
You know, for me, just by nature, it's a part of maybe a daily part of life <laughs> in that I've got high regard for the role of a of that a pastor plays. And I, I feel like I pretty clearly see my inadequacies. Right. So for me personally, I think that's something of a struggle. Um, the other would be maybe some occasions when, when I just uh, when I see pastors that don't, that aren't Christ-like, mm. and and wonder, you know, is this the way others see me? But yeah. I don't know. So, what's the greatest leadership lesson you've ever learned throughout your ministry? If you could get boil it down to just one, yeah, boy, leadership lesson. I think for me, this. I mean, I'm going biblical, so that may not be you know the personal example. Um, Jesus washing his disciples' mm. feet is servant leadership. Yeah, you know, and and maybe it's because I you know I just confessed my my fear of inadequacy, but it is you know if I can lead by serving. I can I can work to be adequate at that, and uh, and Jesus seems to indicate that's a good thing. Yeah, so, you do as I have done to you. Yes. So yeah. awesome. Yeah. Okay. What do you like to do for fun? Fun for me, it is outdoors. It is hunting and fishing, bow hunting, um, archery is is a big deal to me. Great. I love that. And then turkey hunting in the spring it doesn't get a whole lot better than that either. So yeah, that's those are my passions. Okay, one more question. Okay. What one thing would you like to do professionally, but you don't have the time or uh, you've got other commitments that are keeping you from doing that? Oh, goodness. What I'd want to do professionally, oh, goodness, that's probably numerous things. Well, if we could combine it with my hobbies, it would be <laughs> hunting, hunting and, and fishing, fishing and just get some sponsors behind me, pay for all the gear, there give go. me the land. That, I'm, I'm golden. <laughs> oh, that's great. Thank yeah. you, Jim, for very much for being with us today. I really appreciate it. It's my pleasure. And for our listeners, tell a friend about Mustang Open Mic. The podcast can be found on iTunes and Google Play, or go to the website, Mustang Open Mike.com. Don't forget to subscribe to that so that you can catch every episode of Mustang Open Mic. This is James Wall, your host. Join us next time as we have another inspiring conversation with one of today's leaders. Until then, have a blessed day.